I'm going to tell you this. I'm so glad to see you all. I mean that. It's so good to see you all. I love being the pastor here. I love getting to spend time with you and serve with you. Can we just get it for the whole dream team that's just been working behind the scenes all day this morning? Hey, I don't know why, but we still have power here. So you might have been driving and there might have been stoplights out, houses out. We want them to get their power back in Jesus' name, right? But for some reason, we still have power. So can we praise the Lord for that? That God, sometimes we shine brighter in the dark, right? That's what's happening this morning. But before we jump in, I want you to know something. We are a church that not only wants to reach people who are far from God. So if you came in here this morning, you're watching online later. First off, you're watching online. Welcome. Welcome. Those who are watching on YouTube. There's been people watching in Ohio, Alabama, other states. Can we welcome them one time? Just give it up. Welcome. Welcome. You're with us in spirit. Our mission statement here, everything that we do comes back to this one phrase. We are for the one. Everybody say for the one. We're for the one. We didn't start this church to try to compete with other churches. Come on. We started this church to reach the one who might be far from God, but close to us, who might not ever want to step foot in a church again. Maybe they're watching online. They're even scared to come to a public gathering. We just want to know we are for you. We are for the one. We want to reach those that might not understand yet the love of God on their life. But every single person in this room, you have a calling on your life. There's a purpose on your life. Before you even born, God set you apart from your mother's womb. He knows you by name. And we want you to know you are loved here. You are loved. But we do the mission out of two main ways. We reach. Everybody say reach. We reach. We love to do big outreach gatherings. We love to share stuff on social media. We want to reach those who are far from God. But we also unleash. Everybody say unleash. So... A lot of people look at the next generation right now, the next generation of pastors, leaders, just the next generation of the world, right? Gen Z, Gen A, and you keep moving forward, and they just look at it like doom and gloom. We better turn this country around, right? This younger generation, I don't know what they're doing, right? But when I look at the next generation, I see uh, people who are hungry, who are hungry for a revival, who are hungry for an awakening in this country. And, and part of our, our vision here is we want to reach, connect, and everybody say empower. We want to empower and unleash people into their God-given calling and destiny. And we believe in the next generation. We believe that God's raising up an army of people who are unashamed about the gospel, that are unashamed to bear the name of Jesus. And Alex Lawrence is one of those people. Would you welcome Alex up one time this morning? We're going to send him off today. So Alex, bring it in, bro. I love you, man. So good to see you. So Alex uh, was actually in our youth group when I was a youth pastor at Trinity. He has been an intern here for now three months this summer. And today is his last Sunday as he goes back to school. So we just want to send him off. Can we just all give it up for the message he brought a few weeks ago? That was amazing. His testimony. Uh, as much as I've enjoyed pouring into you, I feel like you've poured into me, man. And I've learned from you. I've learned a lot from you just serving with you. I love you as a brother. And uh, we just want to stretch out our arms right now and just pray for him. As he goes back to Indiana Westland, and uh, we'll give him a time to share real quick in just a moment. Father, we thank you for Alex. God, thank you for the calling on his life. Thank you that before he was ever born, you knew that he would become a pastor. You set him apart, Lord, for your kingdom work. And we just come against every wicked scheme that the enemy has planned against him. We say no weapon formed against him shall prosper. Father, thank you that you're bringing the right people, the right connections, and the right leaders and mentors around him. Surround him, Father, with your presence, with the right people, Lord. And unleash him. Unleash him. Launch him into his calling so that thousands, millions would come to know that you 
our Lord. It's in Jesus' name everybody said. Amen and amen. Alex, you want to just share anything? Is this, this is your last Sunday? I know you'll be back at some point. but uh... Thank you, One Church. Thank you so much for um, helping me step into my calling. Um, it took somebody reaching. I was the one. Um, it took somebody to reach out to me and show me the love of Christ. And now I'm here being empowered and unleashed, as, as Andy said, and I'm working for the Lord. And uh, that's my calling on my life. And I just think I just think it's incredible that I got this opportunity to be, be with you guys and, and build this church family with you. Um, I am going back to school. I am going to uh, learn some more stuff and be with my friends and, and um, stuff like that. But um, don't be a stranger. Give me a call. Give me a text message. Uh, if you don't have my number, come get it after service. I, I will still be a part of this family. I'm not leaving for good. I'll be back. Thank you, One Church. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, man. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to open up your word that is alive and active. Sharper than a double-edged sword, Lord, that even right now, we just come against every distraction in Jesus' name. That you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are soft. Right now, I just invite you to open up your hands before the Lord with heads bowed, just as a sign of surrender to the Lord, to say, I want to hear from you this morning. Like you're about to receive a gift of his word to you this morning. Lord, I remember what Paul said, that he did not come with wise and eloquent words, but he came with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer this morning, Lord, that you would hide me behind your cross, that we would lift up the name of Jesus, that every single person under the sound of my voice would encounter you and be transformed forevermore. We give you the glory in advance. It's in Jesus' name. I already said, amen and amen. We are in a series called Deep Waters, Deep Waters, and this is the fourth and final week, if you are new to One Church, I just want to welcome you again. My name is Andy. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to hang out, get to know you more. I'm just a normal dude. But every four weeks, we start a new series here. We want to keep it fresh and engaging. We are in week number four. Everybody say four. Week number four. And if you haven't noticed yet, we like to do a lot of call and response here because we are family. I don't want you to just watch a sermon like you're spectating something happening. I want to have you participate with me. I want to invite you into the message with me. First off, uh, on a lighthearted note, I have a couple uh, screenshots I want to put up on the screen. So first thing is this. Uh, anybody know what this is? This is a map of Indianapolis, all right? And um, for a lot of the generations in this room, you probably have never used one of these before. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, I want to go to the next slide here. Anybody recognize this? I heard throwback. I heard, oh, Wow. This is a confession moment. Um, I am technically millennial Gen Z, right? I was born in 1995. You're doing the math of how old I am right now. Okay, I'll let you catch up later. But uh, MapQuest, I remember uh, this is what my mom would always give me right before I went on a trip, right? I'm going on spring break. You know, me and my buddies, we're, we're driving down to Florida, 18, 20. You know, anybody driven to Florida recently? Why do we do that? I don't know. Why don't we just go up to Michigan, Lake Michigan? I thought about that recently, but anyways... She would always give me one of these map quest things, and I would just go, um, I don't know. I don't know about this. And I skip to the next slide here if you want to show these. Okay, I want to ask you a quick question. 
Apple Maps or Google Maps? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Hands for Apple Maps? Wow, Google? Okay. Now, how many of you Google people are Android fan? Oh, oh boo, don't boo them. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, do I have any people in the room this morning that you live and die by your GPS everywhere you go, even if you're just going to the grocery store? I am there with you. I'm unashamed. I was embarrassed, but now I'm unashamed, apparently. I got other people with me. I don't know which one of these that you relate to the most. My title of the sermon this morning is this, Taking the Long Way Home. Taking the Long Way Home. Uh, I I encourage you sometime, talk to uh, Pastor Erica and uh, Jackson. They, at one point, took an anniversary trip, and they were like three hours off their destination. You can talk to them about that. Uh, later. Their GPS messed with them. But taking the long way home. Anybody like to take the long way home? You like to see like the scenery and I don't need my GPS. I'm not getting from A to B. Like let's just go somewhere different this time. Anybody? All right. Well, I like to take the same way every single time. So (laughs) turn to your neighbor this morning. Just tell him this. God likes to take the long way. Turn to the person behind you and really, really tell him God likes to take the long way. Now, I want to invite you into the text this morning. I want to give you a little bit of context. So we're going to go back to the story of when the people of God were being freed from slavery and they're about to go through the Red Sea. This is what we talked about week number one when we talked about this concept of fear, that we need to get over fear that's enslaving so many of us. I want to give you some context, though, because we have to, every time we open up the Bible, understand the historical context. Everybody say historical, the grammatical, and the contextual. We have to know what's happening in history at the time. We have to know kind of the grammatic part of it. Okay, what's it saying in Greek? What's it saying in Hebrew? But we also have to go to the contextual. What's it saying not only in Exodus 32, but what was it saying in chapter 30 and 34? And what we like to do a lot as Christians, we like to do this thing called shopping cart Christianity, right? Well, we're kind of walking through the aisle. We take what we like and what we don't like. I like that verse. I like this verse. But the Bible is alive and active, and every single part of it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the infallible authority of the Word of God that we believe when we say, Christ is my firm foundation. Jesus is the Word. Everybody say the Word. The Word became flesh. Somebody said to me one time, and I heard this in a quote, don't tell me God is silent if you haven't opened up your Word. Don't tell me God has been silent if you haven't opened up your Bible recently because God is speaking in His Word 24-7, 365. Can I get an Amen. God is always speaking. But the context of this passage is really important. I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me that we need to come back to this story to look a little bit more in detail. So here's kind of the the, the sections of where the Israelites have been going. So they're in slavery. Everybody say slavery. They get freed and then they are in, they're going through the Red Sea. Everybody say the Red Sea. And most people think once they went through the Red Sea, then they go straight to the promised land, right? But they're actually in this thing called the wilderness, right? The wilderness What should have took them 40 days took them 40 years. What should have taken them 40 days took them 40 years in the wilderness. And most people think that Moses led them to the promised land, but it was actually Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. Joshua led them to the promised land. That some of that generation, because of the hardness of their heart, they didn't get to see the promised land. Because of their disobedience to God. Because they made their own gods. Because they got impatient. They ended up not even seeing the promised land. So here's the context. Everybody with me this morning? Just nod your head. This is where we're at. And this is kind of the section right between 
the people getting freed from slavery and they're about to go through the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was, everybody say shorter. Though that was shorter, it would have been shorter to just go from point A to point B, but God likes to take the long way. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Verse 18. And God led them around, everybody say around, around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. I'm going to give your voice a break for a second, all right? But this is where we're at. The first main point this morning that you need to know, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one is this. There will be delays in the deep. When God calls us into deep waters, when he calls us to fully surrender our life to him, not just to attend church every once in a while, not just to say a prayer and then never show up again and be plugged in Christian community, but really to fully surrender your life to the kingdom of God, to the message that Jesus is Lord. There's going to be delays. And there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be moments where you're like, God, I thought you promised this, but it's taken 40 years. I thought it would take 40 days. I thought this would happen in three days, but it took three years. Maybe you're joining online or in the room this morning, and you feel like God is silent. You feel like there's a delay. God, I thought this was going to happen, but this is taking way, 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 way too long. But I think we need to know this. We live in a culture of instant gratification. Can I get an amen? We live in the most Starbucks, McDonald's, Instagram, quick fix culture. And that's why, because we live in kind of this McDonald's, Instagram, Starbucks culture, a lot of our faith is this Starbucks microwave faith, right? We want to pray, in Jesus' name, I want this, and then it's going to show up tomorrow, right? This is what we want. But I love you enough this morning, whether you're watching online or in the room, to tell you what, what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. I love you enough to tell you the truth this morning that there will be a delay in your walk with God because God's timing often doesn't make sense. God's timing often doesn't make sense. I just want to share a quick story. I remember this was 2013 into 2014. I played basketball at Westfield High School here. We were 2-19 and 19 my senior year, all right? So don't get too excited. 2-19, and 19, that must have been a record for something. But I remember going into senior year, I was so excited. And I had two concussions before this, one sophomore year, one junior year. This was my senior year. Uh, the first concussion that I had in my sophomore year, I was actually on a fast break. If you know anything about basketball, I was going up for a layup. And actually, we were playing this AAU team from Canada, and this guy just whapped me over the head, clotheslined me, and I had a concussion. Two weeks to recover. Anybody been clotheslined like that? Okay, maybe no. I don't wish that upon you. But uh, that was my first concussion. The second one, we were doing a rebounding drill my junior year, and I got an elbow to the temple. And I was like, okay, I feel a little foggy, a little daisy. Uh, But what's funny is my parents didn't want me to play football because I might get a concussion. Well, I ended up having three concussions playing basketball. And the third concussion, just to be real, I still don't know how it happened. So... It was the first game. We were playing Lafayette Jeff senior year. I worked so hard. I wanted to be one of the best shooters in Hamilton County. I was really working so tough to this point. And the first game, I don't even remember how I got hit, but I, I, was, I was dizzy. I, I knew like something was going on there. And what I thought would take two weeks to recover took me about two to three years. And I remember so many different moments. Maybe you can relate to this this morning, praying for God to heal me every day. I remember praying in the shower for God to heal me. I remember praying with people laying their hands on me at church to to heal me. I remember all these different moments across this two to three year spectrum and, and God didn't heal me. It took about two, three years and I was in a delay. 
And I was asking God so many questions. Why wouldn't you just heal me? I mean, we have the power in the name of Jesus, right? Why don't you just make my brain right again? I want to encourage you with a passage of Scripture this morning from the New Testament as we read this all in context, 2 Peter 3, 8-9. Do not forget, this is one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. Everybody say patient. The Lord is so patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. As I was on this journey, I remember something was stripped from me in this journey as I was just getting serious about my walk with the Lord. In fact, many times when you get serious about your walk with Jesus, there are things that will be stripped from you. Things that you put your trust in, relationships, sports, what you put your identity in, God will so kindly remove that thing to kind of open up your eyes to see what you really put your trust in, right? He'll remove the crutches from around you, and this is what was happening. He was removing basketball. He was removing relationships. And this is what happened to me. I realized that logic and feelings, in this point, logic and feelings can no longer be Lord. Because if I wanted to put my trust in logic, According to what scripture says in that moment, like, okay, point A to B, well, I just would have been healed. If I wanted to put my trust in feelings, I mean, there was so much passion and zeal in me that that I wanted to be healed in that moment, but logic and feelings, they can no longer be Lord. And I want to say it this way, as I was writing this in my notes, delay is often God's detour. That what looks like a delay to us is often God taking us by another route. See, God is outside of time. He invented time. Time serves God. God doesn't serve time. Are you with me? He's outside of time. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He can see from the beginning to the end. Time does not affect him. But a different way to look at this is this. What seems like an interruption in your life may be divine intervention. How many different times were you interrupted this week? I know one of my pet peeves is being interrupted when I'm working on like a sermon or something. I think that's impossible as a pastor to not be interrupted while you're writing your sermon, right? But I know like there's these moments where you're interrupted, but how many different times is maybe that God stepping in and reshaping your perspective? The second point, and this is going to build off of this, and this is where I want to get really honest in my story. Number two, you will be tempted to distort in the delay. You will be tempted to distort in the delay. Exodus chapter 32, 1 through 4. So the people of God now are freed from slavery. They went through the Red Sea. We're going to fast forward for a moment and come back. Now they're in the wilderness, right? They're in the wilderness. So Exodus chapter 32, when the people saw that Moses was so long, everybody say so long. He's so long and coming down from the mountain. They're in the wilderness. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They want answers. God, why are you taking so long? Why is there such a delay in this? They gathered around Aaron. They said, you know what? Just come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, okay, take off the gold earrings that are on your wives and and your sons and your daughters and what you're wearing and bring them to me. So the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and they made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Anybody know this part of the story? They made a calf, fashioning it with a tool, and they said, these are your gods, Israel, right? They got impatient. They made their own gods. They said, these are the gods who brought you up out of Egypt. So this is what happens. Are you tracking with me this morning? 
We're going we're to get a little bit deeper here, I promise. When we are delayed, this is what we often do, we manipulate. When we are delayed, we feel like God is slow in His promise. We feel like He's taking forever on an answered prayer. Maybe it's a job that you thought would be landed in your hands, but it's taken three, four, five years. You don't know why you're at the same job. Maybe you're single this morning. You've been praying for a marriage. You, you really believe that God has called you to be married. It just feels like God is taking so long. So in the delay, in, everybody say, the gap. In the gap between God giving you a promise and the fulfillment of that promise, what do we do? We manipulate. That's the temptation. We manipulate. Another way to say it would be this. When we get impatient, we take matters into our own hands, right? So let me bring you back to my story. I'm going to be really transparent with you. Senior year of high school, this is my third concussion. And I told you that eventually I had people laying their hands on me and praying for me. That was way after what I'm about to tell you. That first game, I got hit. And, and I didn't tell anyone that I had some fuzziness in my vision. I didn't tell anyone except my girlfriend after the game that I couldn't really focus in conversations. And it got to the point where actually in every conversation I was having with people, the concussion was bothering me so much that I would have these overwhelming, anxious, like flooding of my body. I don't know if you've ever been there where like you feel so anxious and you feel so overwhelmed that you feel like your body is overheating. You can't focus like that was me. And I didn't tell anyone why, because I didn't want to lose my starting spot. I took matters into my own hands. And I played that first game. I didn't tell anyone that my head hurt. I didn't tell anyone that I was having trouble focusing, and I was lying. And I actually played seven more games to the point where, you know, Carmel always beats us by 40. Uh, Apparently that has switched recently at Westfield. But at that point, we got whapped by Carmel. And apparently I felt like in my flesh, this was the moment that I need to go tell my coaches, Coach, I have a concussion. And I played, I think it was eight games without telling them. And I'll never forget my coach hugging me. He was crying. He was really mad at me, right? Rightly so. But I took matters into my own hands. And this is what we do in the delay. When we don't feel like God is fulfilled the way we want, we make our own gods. We manipulate. We make up things. Because we're impatient. Another way to say it would be this. A life of manipulation bears the weight of performance. Every single time you manipulate a relationship, a job, something that you're, you're like really impatient with, the timing, now you just put all the performance on you. You now have to prove to everyone what you just manipulated, right? And this is where I was because I didn't tell a soul I had a concussion. I kept playing, I kept playing, and I felt like I had to prove it now. And guess what? I still lost my starting spot four games in. God was humbling me. But delay, another way to look at it, delay could also be from our disobedience. Sometimes we press pause on things that God is ready to bless us with because our character isn't ready for it. See, what took the Israelites 40 years should have taken them 40 days. But disobedience kept pushing it further and further and further back. So I don't know how this is hitting you. Maybe for some of you, this is like, okay, I kind of get what you're saying. Let's just cut really to the point. This is what the enemy, anybody know that you have an enemy of your soul that wants to steal, kill, and destroy? Can I just get an amen? We have power and authority over him in the name of Jesus, but you need to know you are in a spiritual battle every day. Satan wants to convince you, always, 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 Satan wants to convince you to take the shortcut every single time. So you have a promise that God has given you. 
and you feel like there's a delay, and you know that God is supposed to fulfill this at one point. This is some of the things that the enemy starts to whisper in your ear. Just take the shortcut in your purity. Just watch porn. Nobody's going to see. A little lying on your taxes won't hurt. Nobody's going to check. I mean, will anyone really know if you just have one drunk night out? Nobody's going to know. You didn't really finish the expense report at work, but nobody was watching. But this is what Satan does. I heard this in a sermon recently, and it really hit me. Sin is an illegitimate response to a legitimate need. Let that sink in for a second. Sin is an illegitimate response to a legitimate need. So when we go to things like pornography, really what we want is not the porn, but we really want in the deepest part of our soul is intimacy. What we really want in a marriage, and then we take the shortcut and we try to just like get into a relationship, even though God didn't give you his approval on that relationship, we want to take the shortcut. Really, what we really want is we don't want to be lonely anymore. But sin is an illegitimate response to a legitimate need, and God knows you need intimacy. God knows you need friendship. God knows you need community. But God wants to take you the long way. Everybody say the long way. And Satan always wants to take you the shortcut. I heard a quote from a mentor one time. He said this. I want to encourage you this morning. If you honor God in private, he will honor you in public. See, Satan wants to convince you that the details don't matter. Those little numbers on the tax report, nobody's going to see. I mean, really, is that really what happened at work? Or did you twist the story to get your boss to believe that, that you, they're on your side, right? And the enemy's always going to try to convince you. He's always going to give you an excuse to take the shortcut. He's going to give you an excuse to just fudge the details a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like that big of a deal, right? But guess who sees the details? Your heavenly Father sees the details. And those details matter to God. And part of the reason why God is not ready to bless you with what's next is because your character is not ready yet. See, your character isn't ready yet for the relationship that he has with you because you're still enslaved to pornography. God can't bless you with the relationship because he knows that you could still be out of slavery physically but still be in slavery spiritually in the next relationship. Are you with me? Number three this morning is this delay. And this is the gracious part of our Heavenly Father. See, Jesus came full of truth. Everybody say truth. He came full of truth, and he also came full of grace. All right, everybody say grace. Everybody say grace. I don't know. Does he have grace? Right? Yes, he does. Actually, it's his grace on your life that you even woke up this morning. It's his grace on your life that your heart is still beating. If you, even if you're running from God, even if you believe that everything I'm saying is not true, his grace has gone ahead of you. He's still pursuing you. So the delay, actually, as we look at the story, is often a blessing in disguise. Have you ever had a blessing in disguise before? What you thought was a problem, you thought that this was a trial, God actually showed you a different perspective. It was actually a blessing in disguise. So let's go back to the text. When Pharaoh led the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was, everybody say shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road to the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. As I was looking at this, I don't want to just hear from the Holy Spirit. I want to look into commentaries and what other pastors and leaders have seen. This one pastor that I heard, he said this, God protected them from a tragedy and he gave them a trial. 
God gave them a trial to protect them from a tragedy. See, sometimes the best blessing in our life is a closed door. The best blessings in our life, we can't even see sometimes. It was a closed door. See, we often get up here and we praise, and I'm I'm totally convicted of this, right? We, We only praise God for things that we can see. God, thank you for this relationship. God, thank you for this house. I do this all the time, right? I'm guilty right there with you. God, thank you for this church. And we only praise God for things that we can see. What about the things that God said no to to help you get to that point where you got those blessings? How many closed doors in your life? Look, let me just be really real. How many relationships in my life did God say no to to be married to Leanza right now? How many colleges did I want to apply to that God said no to, that I got to go to Indiana Westland and get connected with the right mentors? Can we just praise God for all the things he said no to, all the closed doors? See, when you realize, I know that seems funny to do, but when you realize that God is for you, turn to your neighbor and say, God is for you. When you realize that God is for you, every closed door is a blessing in disguise. Are you with me? When you realize that God is not against you, Romans tells us, but he's for you, that the relationships he says no to, no, or not yet, or the job, he says no, or not yet. He's not doing that because he's after you. He's not doing that because he wants to hit you with a lightning bolt. He loves you so much that he's going to close a thousand doors to say yes to three of them that are going to absolutely change your life. How many times were you about to get in that car and God protected you from a car crash? You don't even know it. And you were upset about the traffic and God protected you from losing your life. This is exactly what he did for the people of God. And they're complaining, God, you're taking so long. And it said, God led them around. Everybody say around. He led them around to protect them from a tragedy and he gave them a trial that are light and momentary, right? In comparison to what could have happened. So I know this might be a funny story. Anybody wear uh, contacts in the room? Anybody? Okay. Nobody else wears contacts? Okay. So um, it's like, hey, don't be ashamed. Any, any contact wearers up here? Okay. So every September, we got to get new contacts. I go to the eye doctor, right? And it's like, A-Z. And you start to memorize that thing. Let's be real, right? A-Z-G-U-F, right? And... Uh, I realized recently, I know this might sound funny, but I just want to show you the kindness of God, how he speaks to us so intentionally. I realized recently that some of my best times with the Lord in my devotion time with him are when I'm not wearing contacts. You might be like, why, why does that matter at all? See, when God slows us down, I want to encourage you with this. Every delay, every delay helps you see the details. See, when I spend time with God without my contacts, the only thing that I can see in front of me is my Bible. Are you with me? The times that I spend time with the Lord, and I do have my contacts in, I can see my phone going off. I can see my emails going off. I can see Aliana running around in the background, right? And she's not a distraction. She is my daughter. Can I get an amen? She is not a distraction. She is a blessing to me. But hear me when I say the best times when I spend with the Lord, sometimes when I wake up, I have no contacts in. And all I can see is my Bible. Because every single delay in your life slows you down to see the details of what's happening in your life. See, we want to skip from season to season. This is what I do. I'm guilty of this. I'm sharing my story with you. You know, we, we, we conquer this mountain. Okay, God, we did this. We planted the church. Now, now how's, the parking got, how's the parking lot going to look in the next two, three years, right? This is what I do. This is where my wheels are spinning all the time, okay? And what are we going to do there? How are we going to expand the building, all that stuff? 
And I want to skip to the next season where God wants to slow us down sometimes. Say, you don't even see the details that are right in front of you. You don't see the people that are right next to you. You didn't see the color of the flowers that you walked by and how the sun rose. Every single delay could be a a blessing in disguise. We don't even know it. That relationships we want to speed past. A meeting we want to speed past, right? Anybody else like that? You want to get from meeting to meeting to work out, to go home and watch Netflix and go to bed. You have your rhythm. Anybody just say amen, right? And sometimes God disrupts you. Sometimes he slows you down so why you can see him and you can see people. And this is where the kindness of God, I want to encourage you on a deeper level. This scripture really hit me as I was looking at this text. This comes from the book of Joel. Chapter 2, verses 25 through 27. And before I read this, I just want to preface this. Some of you might be hearing all this. and say, Andy, that sounds all nice and cute, that every delay is a blessing in disguise. But, but I feel like things have happened to me, right? This might be someone watching online in the room. You might be saying, I feel like things have happened to me, that people mistreated me, they abused me. And, and things happened to me that slowed my life down, and I didn't have a choice. And that's all cute, right? And that's, a, that's an encouraging message. But for me, no, 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 you, you don't realize, I feel like I'm too far behind to start now. Like I'm too old to just get going right now with Jesus. Too many things have slowed me down. And this is what the Bible tells us. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts. The other locusts and the locusts swarm. My great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. See, this is how I would say it. God is so gracious, you all, that he chooses to speed up while you slow down. That even in your mistakes, even in the places that you did manipulate or someone manipulated you and you feel so slowed down, you feel like you have missed the ship that is left for you to get on the destiny of the calling on your life, can I just encourage you this morning, it's not too late. It's not too late. Why? Because a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. And if you just trust God, and I'm not just saying trust God with this part of your life, I'm talking like you trust him with everything. Watch how, since God is outside of time, he accelerates something in a day that should have taken a thousand years. Watch how in three years, God will get you into the right room with the right people, with the right connections, and you messed it up, right? We don't deserve any of this, and God is so gracious that he speeds up in one day while you slow down. This is the Heavenly Father that we serve. Can I get an amen? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? My last point for us, and then we'll be done. Some of you are like, Andy, I'm, I'm intentionally going the shortest route home right after this sermon, just to get you, right? The fourth thing is this. We need the lessons. Everybody say the lessons. Now, this is where it's going to get even deeper on a core level for why God led them the long way. Just turn to your neighbor again. Just tell him, take the long way. And now tell him, you won't regret it. See, when you take the long way with God, you won't regret it. Every single time Satan wants you to take a shortcut, what comes after that? Regret. Every single shortcut leads to regret. But let's go back to the story. 
Exodus 13, 17 through 18, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that way was shorter. I I pray that this story would be engraved on your soul, that you would remember God's character through this as we read it again. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. If I give them that relationship in a month, they're not going to be ready for it. If I give them that job in the next three months, they're not going to be ready for it. If I give them the thing that they're praying for, I need to lead them, everybody say, around. I need to lead them around. So I remember driving to school my senior year. And this was after I had shared the news that I was lying about the concussion that I had. And I remember driving in my 04 Honda Pilot. Can I get an amen? We called it the glory car. And I remember, right? I'm from Westfield. So you know, you know this road. And I said, I remember I was driving down Grassy Branch Road, all right? Right past that CVS. And I remember, right, I grew up in, in a middle-class family. I grew up in a place where, where I, I, looking back in my life, I didn't suffer a lot up until that point, just to be real. And I remember driving in the car. And I remember for the first time out loud in my walk with Jesus, I was dependent on him for every single need in my life. Going to school, God, would you help me focus today with my classwork, God, in my relationships, in my social interactions, God, I pray that I wouldn't look anxious and have a, a wave of heat that would flood me and get me to be distracted. God, I pray that I could literally just think straight today. For the first time in my life, y'all, I was dependent on God for every place in my life. And you need to know that a part of my story, when, when I was born, my mom's in the room, and this is such a special moment. We were actually just watching home videos the other day. Anybody like watching home videos? I'm a nostalgic dude, so I get all emotional. I'm sensitive, all right? And I remember my story that, that actually a, a few days old, my mom knew that I was called to be a pastor. And she never told me until I was 18 years old and I accepted my call to ministry or whatever age I was, 17. And technically speaking, I grew up here, right? Are you with me? When I graduated high school, logically speaking, if God knew that we were going to plant a church in Westfield, why didn't he just take me from point A to point B? I mean, this church is literally 10 minutes from where I grew up. Are you with me? Right? Why didn't God do that? And I'm sharing my testimony with you. And as I pause and I remember this story, I I think of in Westfield, God was teaching me dependence. And I remember when God called me to go to Indiana Westland, he taught me how to learn and spend time with God. I remember in Muncie, when we launched the campus ministry there, he was teaching me how to lead, how to preach. And Fishers, I remember there was another delay. I was so ready for my call to ministry to really unleash, right? I remember the summer of 2019, after we got married, I remember the Lord came to me and said, Andy, I want you to hide. And not like weird, like hide in a cave, okay? Like, just stay with me. But I was ready to launch out. I was ready to do some sort of, you know, spoken word, speaking to her. I was all excited, right? And the Lord came to me just like he told Elijah. And he said, Andy, I want you to hide. Another delay. And then as I look back, even in Fishers, during that delay, God was teaching me how to be a father before we had my precious Aliana. And let me just be really specific. I hope this encourages you that as we were getting ready to plant this church, I was actually looking at a map. 
And I was looking at where I started. I was in Westfield, right? And then if I'm looking at it this way, I, I went up to Marion. And then I went up to, to Muncie over here. And then I came back to Fishers. And then I came back to Westfield. And then I, it hit me like it hit me. Okay, okay. So you need to understand this. The Israelites were out of Egypt. But Egypt was still in the Israelites. That God could have taken them from point A to point B in the snap of a finger. He is Alpha and Omega. He could have done it in the blink of an eye. And in my story, he could have taken me 10 minutes down the road. Why was he doing this? So here are these phrases. This was less about the promised land, you guys. This was less about the promised land. This was about the promised hand. See, this was not about a destination. This was about their devotion to God. This was never about the promised land. This was never about me coming to Westfield. This was about the wilderness where God drew a full circle. You got to know how much this means to me because God speaks in the details of our life. We don't give him credit for that. We think he's a distant being in the universe, but God speaks in the details of our life, y'all. And as I sat in that blue recliner and I realized, God, you could have taken me from point A to point B. He drew a full circle and he said, Andy, I had to take you around. I could have taken you from point A to point B, but I had to take you around because Egypt was still in you. That it's in the wilderness where you are broken and you realize that he is Jehovah Jireh. That it's in the wilderness where you don't have the idols you used to cling to. You don't have the relationships and you're looking for a crutch. And then you look down and you realize that Jesus is my rock. He is my solid foundation. That no matter what was taken from me, I'm standing firm on him. See, this was less about where they were going. This was less about where they were going and more about who they were becoming. See, God could have taken them right from Egypt straight into the promised land. But really what God was more concerned about was not what was happening around them. He was concerned about what was happening in them. See, God knows our heart. And he says that our heart is deceitful above all things, right? And so many times we treat Christianity like it's a game in America. Let me just be real. We treat God like he's a genie in a bottle. We say our prayers in the morning, and I'm just being real with you. I want to step on your toes. We, we treat God like he's literally a slot machine. We wake up in the morning and say, God, bless my day. Bless me with this job. Bless me with this spouse. And I pray the favor of God over my family. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to ask you a question this morning. And I want to really challenge you all this morning. Do you spend more time praying for God to bless you or to be transformed? Because here's what you need to know, y'all. As we look at this story, you could be blessed. Hear me. You could be blessed. You could be blessed. You can go to the next slide. If you are blessed, but you are not transformed, you just have more stuff, but you're still a slave. And you're praying for that spouse. And I know those are legitimate needs. God knows that you need a companion to walk with. And you're praying for that job. And you don't have to be ashamed of that. God knows he's going to give it to you in the perfect timing. He is Alpha and Omega. He is sovereign. Can I get an amen? God is sovereign. If you don't take anything from this, just know God is sovereign. That many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails, right? No matter the enemies that came against you, no matter what people said about you, if they said to you that you were too weak, you didn't have what it takes, you didn't have the right schooling, guess what? He holds the keys to your destiny. Nobody else does. He is the Alpha and the Omega. 
But if we just pray to be blessed, God, bless my family. I need more square footage. I heard someone say this recently. The only way a house becomes a home is if the Spirit of God dwells in it. And you could pray to have a bigger house, and it's just a house. It's just empty because the Spirit of God has not transformed your life yet. And really what God is more concerned about is not the stuff. And he's a gracious God. He blesses us, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Can I get an amen? But I want to encourage you, Romans 8, 28 through 29. And we know that in all things, you guys don't know this, God is in the details. Today is 828. Can I get an amen? Today is 828. National 828 day. We just declared it, all right? And we know that in all things, that we say all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Just stay there for a moment. Go back. Verse 28. See, you need to know this. Even in the places where you manipulated and you messed it up and you don't deserve it, God in his sovereignty and his kindness, he will weave it all together for your good just because he loves you. He will turn your mess into a masterpiece. He will turn your mistakes. And let me tell you, I was living in sin. As I look back at my full circle journey, there is no part of me that says I deserve any of this, but it is by God's grace. Everybody say, by God's grace. It is by God's grace that he will write a full circle. You didn't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't say enough Christian cliche things, but it is just the power of Scripture that He works all things. Everybody say all things. But nobody knows what verse 29 says. Verse 29 says this, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. See, God was not as concerned about giving them the promised land as He was concerned about getting Egypt out of their heart. Because God knew that the promised land, the house, the job, the spouse, it won't mean anything if the Spirit of God hasn't transformed your life. It'll just be a bunch of dead bones. It'll just be a bunch of walls. It'll just be a career that gives you no meaning. It'll just be a community group that has no power unless the Spirit of God grips your heart and transforms your life. See, I want to encourage you with something someone told me one time. God will crush your dreams. You're like, wait, what? to rebuild them better than you could have ever imagined. See, I remember in that car, in that 04 Honda Pilot, God was crushing my dreams. And there is no way I would be in this room if he didn't do that. He slammed the door in my face, right, kindly. But I love the Lord. We have that relationship. Close the door, God, come on. Like, I want to know, right? He's kind, hear me in context. He won't slam it out of, you you, you hear me this morning? Okay, Just, just stay with me. But how many closed doors in your life led you to this point? Like the person that you're married to right now that you're praising God for, aren't you thankful for all the people that God said no to? Aren't you thankful for all the dreams that you had to lay down on the altar so God could crush them and crush you and rebuild it better than you could have ever imagined? I'll end with this. Sometimes instead of drawing a straight line, God takes you full circle. He could have taken you from point A to point B. But really what he's concerned about more at the end of the day is not all the blessings. He's concerned about your heart. So where's your heart at this morning? I want to ask you one question. Will you let God take you the long way? Will you let him? You won't regret it. You won't regret it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I just want to give this response to the believers first. 
you know the enemy's trying to cheat in the details with the taxes, with the relationships, with the pornography, with the alcohol and the weed, and you name it. He's trying to get you to cheat it, but you feel the Spirit of God saying, take the long way this morning. And you might even be like Abraham. You might not even get to see the blessing on this side of eternity. But if there's any believer in this room this morning and you feel the Spirit of God saying, take the long way, and you're ready to surrender that call, just lift your hand. Lift both your hands high right now. Come on, just as a full surrender. I'm right there with you. No matter what it takes, Lord, it could take 40 years. Come on, lift your hands if you believe that this morning. It could take... 75 years and then you give us the promise we might not ever see it but even if you don't save us we're still not going to bow down that even if you don't give us the square footage if you don't give us the new car what gain is it to gain the whole world but forfeit our soul God we give our hearts to you this morning and I just want to challenge you right now would you just open your eyes right now there's power in surrender amen and I just want to give this response if there's anyone in the room this morning that you know, you can put your hands down for a second if you're like, okay, I'm kind of tired, all right? If there's anyone this morning with our eyes open that you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we do this with our eyes open here because we're unashamed about the gospel here. If there's anyone this morning that says, I want to give my life to Jesus, I don't want to just be a lukewarm Christian, I don't want to be a cultural Christian, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ this morning giving him my whole life, believing that he died for me, he rose for me, and I want to give my life to this message. Would you just lift a hand right now? If there's anyone that wants to make that decision, there's no shame in this room. There's no condemnation in this room. Anyone want to make that decision? If you want to make this decision, whether you're online or in the room, you can pray this prayer with me. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray this as a family together, as the kingdom of God. Father, forgive me. Let's pray this out loud. Thank you for your grace. I repent of my sin. Thank you, your blood was shed for me. You rose for me. I give you my life. I receive the Holy Spirit. Give me boldness to take the long way. Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's give him one shot of praise this morning. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to take the long way. I'm ready to take the long way. So we're going to sing this song, and we're going to be done. And I love it because this song that we're ending with is called Promises. And this is not a moment where it's like, okay, now the pastor leaves, and we all just raise our hands. This is a moment for you to respond. Everybody say respond to your relationship with your creator this morning. And I encourage you to lift your hands as we praise him, to say, God, when we say God of Abraham, we're, we're singing the story of scripture, but we're singing our story. Amen. So let's sing, let's shout, let's praise him in this moment for his faithfulness.